Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. A Tampa Bay Buccaneer-centric podcast by the fans, for the fans. If you're new around here, I am your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Evan, how are you doing today, my man? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, getting the people ready for episode 102. And you know what? We'll just get straight into it. I've been thinking all week long that this time of the season is the worst. I hate it because we have so much to talk about, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like we've made any progress whatsoever. It mm-hmm. really feels like we've gotten absolutely nowhere. With the floods of information coming all over social media, all of the topics, all of the rumors, there's so much people are talking about. All the hypotheticals, the what-ifs, all the big question marks, the mock scenarios. It's also mock draft season. That's another thing. But it doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere. And I'm just so excited for the free agency deadline to hit. And everything opens up, and we finally get the answers that we've been searching for for so long. But I don't, I don't know about you, man. I'm just, I'm tired of talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think you're alone. It's, um, you know, just not even just for the Bucks, just for you know the entire NFL. Uh, you, you hear all these things, and you know, you sort of just want to see, you know, action. Like you've heard enough of where Tom Brady could end up. Is he gonna leave the Patriots? Uh, you know, it's time to see if he's going to. You know. Um, but I mean, it definitely sucks. You got to wait this long, but I mean, I'm sure, you know, the teams like it because they, you know, they want to have as much time as possible to be able to make the right decision. So, yeah. And I mean, it is nice because we do have things to talk about this time of year. It seems like it's a very boring time of year. And when you don't have a lot of bucks football to talk about, people just get really lonely in a sense. I know I do, but, um, we have plenty to talk about. It's just, like I said, it doesn't feel like we've accomplished anything. There are no developments as of yet. Nobody really knows what's happening, and I think that's the beauty in all of it. So since nobody knows what is happening, we opened up our phone lines, 813-433-0323, and we allowed you guys to call in and leave us some voicemails this week. So we're going to open up the show with some of those. We'll break down some of what you guys are talking about, some of the rumors floating around with the quarterback position in particular this week, and we'll break all of that down. So let's get into some of these phone calls here. Let me pull them up on the old Skype machine. We actually... Had a lot of fun with these phone call features this week. Uh, We had our live show, our last episode, which was basically just an hour of us trying to figure out how to get all of these things together, right? That was was a headache and a half. Am I right, Evan? (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, but you know, if you guys haven't seen Rhett's reaction of when he figures it out, uh, it's pretty good. So oh, I'd, yeah. I'd go back and watch it just for that. So. I tried to make it as entertaining as possible. It seemed like it was more entertaining when we were trying to fumble our yeah, way around than the we were actually system talking about than it books. was when we had an in-depth conversation <laughs> about football. So let's get into our first voicemail. This comes from our buddy Jordan out of Texas. Let's take a listen in and see what Jordan wants to talk about. Hey, what's up, Rhett and Evan? Uh, this is Jordan. I'm a listener out in Austin, Texas. I love the podcast. Uh, just wanted to give you guys uh, my opinion on the recent takes about Jameis, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, our quarterback situation. Uh, I really think it's not going to be as complicated as people are saying. The Peter King reports about how Jameis won't likely be back. I feel like Jameis is going to be back on probably a two- or three-year deal. Bruce and Jason Light have both said they already know what they want to do with the quarterback situation, and I think we're just waiting to find out. I don't think Teddy is the answer. I don't think Brady fits our offense at all. I don't think he's – I don't think – he can take the big hits anymore. And I think Jameis is the guy right now, unless we want to trade up and take a quarterback, trade into the top seven and take a guy like Herbert. But that's just my opinion on it. I hope you guys have a great day and uh, go Cannon Fire Podcast. So, Jordan, thanks for calling in, man, bringing up a lot of the quarterback controversy that people have been talking about this week. Topics are just wide open as you – Brought up the Peter King report, kind of kicked off the week, saying it's very likely that Jameis won't be in Tampa next year and that the Buccaneers are high on Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, It's really been between that and, of course, the Tom Brady talks, which at this point I think seems farther and farther out of reach every day. The way that things have come out of the combine and stirred things up, saying that the Bucs are high on Teddy Bridgewater, they're not so high on Derek Carr... There's just a lot of reports coming out at the same time. Evan, what do you make sense of all of this? And do you agree with Jordan? Do you think Jameis is ultimately back at the helm? So, <clears throat> I, I, I'm gonna, I, I am going to, to sort of, not really dodge the question, but I'm gonna say that I will answer completely later on in the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's right. The Peter King report. You know, what is it? It was yesterday, right? Monday? Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, that report comes out. And, you know, like he sort of mentioned, like slowly, like mentioned it, just kind of hit it in the, in, the, in the article. Like um, like he didn't really come out and like flat out say it, but it was like hidden there. It was like James Winston and parentheses, who likely won't be back. So, and then, you know, goes on to say about Teddy Bridgewater, and then there's the leak that, you know, one NFL GM says that the Bucks are hot after Teddy Bridgewater. I think a lot of this is sort of a negotiation tactic. Uh, Rick Stroud comes out a few hours ago and says that, you know, he's heard the Bucks aren't that high on Derek Carr because of the fit. Like, if Derek Carr can't fit the offense, why, how can Teddy Bridgewater? Right. Um, so I, I think a lot of it is trying to get you know Winston's price down. I still do think they're in the Brady running. Uh, I think they they still want Tom Brady, and I think they're they're still quietly in in that in in the conversation there for Tom Brady. Um, and that you know uh, there's a lot of factors holding up a potential Winston and Bucks deal. Um, but I still think there's a decent chance that that Winston still ends up with the Bucks. I think a lot of it is. Just it's it's a negotiation, you know. It's Winston's camp trying to drive the price up. The Bucks camp trying to drive the price down. That's that's what this is right now. Yeah, I'm with you in the sense that I think it's also just people on both sides trying to 
flex this whole number, get it a little bit higher from Winston's side of the camp. The Bucks want to pay dirt cheap. Now, let me follow up and ask you about this. We've seen some people talking about it. Jameis, one of one in particular, bringing it up. It seems like with the situation regarding contracts between Shaq Barrett and Jameis Winston, you had brought up uh, there's a lot of factors that are holding that. Of course, the collective bargaining agreement, figuring out who's going to get the franchise tag. But another thing that was brought up that I've seen floating around recently is the Buccaneers are trying to play lowball. Do you think they're trying to get both of those guys for as cheap as possible? And then do you ultimately think this ends up as classic old Bucks, where they put out a laughable offer, get outbid, and then the player goes somewhere else and is able to succeed for the rest of their career? Do you think they can somehow F this up? Well, they definitely can, but I in in case in the case of Shaq Barrett, I don't think he's going anywhere regardless. I think the Bucks would prob are they're they're probably pushing for I would guess a long-term deal. No, this is just my speculation. This isn't the source I have on this. I would guess they're pushing for a long-term deal with Shaq Barrett at around $15 million a year. I'm guessing that Shaq Barrett probably wants a long-term deal around $18, $19 million a year. And if they can't, you know, come, like, settle on a price, maybe $17 million or so, then I'll just get hit with the tag for $16 million. Um with Winston, I think, you know, I, I do believe the smoke that, you know, they're going to let him hit the market. Like, they're not going to let Shaq Barrett hit the market. I just, I really doubt that. But, um, so, I mean, I think they're going to let him hit the market. And I do believe that the Bucks, obviously, if they don't come away with a guy like Tom Brady, they'll be able to match any offer that Winston gets. And they're hoping that, you know, Winston gets, you know, three years, $20 million or something like that, you know. Because then he's back at the same salary he was this year. So I think, you know, they're definitely not losing Shaq Barrett this offseason. Um, they could lose James Winston, but right now I just think they're they're trying to get the best value they can. I wouldn't really say low-balling, um, but I think they're looking at it as, you know, Shaq Barrett's a one-year wonder, possibly. You don't know, right? And James Winston threw 30 interceptions. I, I think that's the way they're looking at this, and that's why they don't want to give Winston 28 million a year and Barrett 19 million a year. You know, that for long-term deals, that's big-time commitment. So I think right now they're just trying to get the prices down as low as they can. And it almost sounds like the Bucks' way of you know putting it out there, seeing what he's going to get, while at the same time saying that they have the opportunity to look behind proverbial door number two. And worst case scenario, they don't get out there and land a guy like Tom Brady, which I think is the only quarterback who would replace Jameis at this point. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater on a whim, but again, I think that's all just smoke going into a lot of the things that have been coming out this week. But they can float Jameis out there, see what kind of offers they get. In worst-case scenario, they don't get their guy. They can kind of reel him back in. Is that what I'm gathering from you? Yeah, I, I don't think that Winston is going to sign on the first day of free agency. So, And I think you're going to know Tom Brady's answer on the first day of free agency. Yeah. So I, I think um, a lot of the dominoes are going to start falling there. So Yeah. We got another voicemail to get into. This comes from our buddy James out of Tampa weighing in on this week's rumors. Let's listen to what you got, James. Good day, Cannon Fire. First time calling in. Uh, privileged to be able to talk to you guys, share some quick thoughts. This is James Landis at Truth on Twitter. T-R-E-U-X-T-H. Uh, I just wanted to share two things with you guys. Um, 
Twitter's obviously been some chaos recently. Uh, social media has been pretty ruthless. And I just wanted to say that, um, listen, at the end of the day, guys, we're all Bucks fans. And we might be passionate about a certain player or certain wants for the team, but we can't lose sight of the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is the Tampa Bay culture and, and getting us some Ws. So, um, you know, just, just remember, we all, we all really want the same thing. And, and we're a Buck family. We need to show each other just a, a little bit more respect um, on the social media sphere. Um, other than that, you know, I, I want Jameis back. It's no secret. I love this team. I want what's best for this team. I think he is what's best for this team. But um, we never abandon ship. Gentlemen, ladies, we make, uh, we make others walk the plank, but we never jump ship. Again, it was a privilege. You guys check me out on Twitter. I look forward to speaking with you in the future. Take care. Go Bucks. So James out of Tampa, you know, I really like the approach that James comes in with because he is a fan first. And the way that things are happening now with this whole situation, you see what a split that Jameis Winston by himself has <laughs> put in the fan base. This for years, move, but, but you're really starting to see it now. Right. This <laughs> potential move is really going to separate the Bucks fans from the Jameis Winston fans. And let me just throw this out there. I'm a big Jameis Winston fan. But if he goes somewhere else, I'm not done with Tampa Bay. I might be a little upset for a period of time. But at the end of the day, I'm fairly confident enough that the Bucks have a team right now. I think we could win with several quarterbacks. And let's say Jameis Winston goes, they miss out on Tom Brady, and we end up with the run to the litter. Let's say we get Ryan Fitzpatrick back again. Do I think we're going to make it as far as we would have with Jameis Winston or Tom Brady? Absolutely not. But I'm not going to stop watching the team. And I think it's very important to remember that we are all fans at the end of the day. And opinions are opinions. Everybody has different ones, but we got to show each other some respect at the end of the day. I, a lot of fans are acting as if, like, if Winston goes... They're going like, to go. Well, yeah, sure, but they're acting like if Winston goes, that means, like, the Bucks are going to end up with Ryan Griffin as their starting quarterback, <laughs> which is, it, it's not going to happen, right? There, there's too many quarterbacks out there right now. If, if Winston goes, like I said, you got Tom Brady, you still got Phillip Rivers, you got Teddy Bridgewater. Then you look through the draft, maybe Jordan Love, right? I know they don't want to start a rookie quarterback. I know I know that, but you know Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, those guys. Um, and then you got the trade candidates, Derek Carr, you know Andy Dalton. Like there's there's still options out there. Like it's not like it's Jameis Winston isn't the end all be all. You know, like and I think a lot of fans are sort of treating it that way. Like if he leaves, no matter what they do with the rest of the team, it doesn't matter to them. Um, and I'm not because... saying it's right, but let me throw this counterpoint out there. I'm not saying I understand the fans who are looking at it as the be all end all. But I think with a number one overall draft pick, there's a lot of people who have developed some stock into this guy. We brought him up a little bit earlier, Jameis one of one. He of all people has developed stock into this guy, and it's for good reason, because he is a number one overall draft pick. So maybe he's going to have more eyes on him, because it just looks like such a much larger investment from the franchise. You know what I mean? You're oh, at that is. point where you have the first overall pick. You're hoping that this guy can take your franchise to where it wants to go, and a lot of people... Five years isn't enough time to find that out because we've seen plenty of number one overall draft picks have a pretty shaky first five years and then ultimately end up in the hall. It's happened before. 
So I'm, for a lot of I'm gonna, people, I'm going dis- sure to disagree with you there, though. No? I'm, I'm going to – okay. So what you're basically saying is that number one overall picks after five years, you know, number one overall picks, most number one overall picks after five years, you're not having this discussion, right? Like should he most stay or should he go? Sure. If, if you're having this discussion, that means that it hasn't gone as planned, Right. So what makes you believe that this guy could potentially, you know, take you to a Super Bowl where in even in five years he hasn't shown you much of anything that could give you an example of, hey, maybe this guy could. You know, like if, if you're still having these discussions five years in with a number one overall draft pick, that's not great. No, and I see exactly what you're saying, but I'm also just throwing it out there that there are plenty of people who feel a different way about that and feel that at the end of the day, five years is just not enough time. You see it all the time. I know you see it on Twitter and social media, right? Yeah, but five years should be plenty of time, and that's your rookie contract plus the fifth-year option. you got to know. No, and you not, gotta know you're teams. You you know how you build a football team? You get a young rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, and he's good, and he's he's in the second or third year of that contract, and it's cheap, and you can just build up your team because you got loads of salary cap. You That's how you build up the team. Now, did the Buccaneers do the best job with that when Winston was on his rookie deal? No, but Winston also didn't help. You're not wrong. I don't disagree with you, partner. I'm just throwing out there what I think a big chunk of the fan base believes. I know there's just as many people that are with you in the same boat that you should definitely know these things. After five years, I'm kind of with you. This is one of those things you shouldn't still be talking about, but I know for a lot of people it just feels like a really big investment. You know, it's kind of like you put some stock into something into the trade market and, you know, you got a lot of money I mean, on it. it's a big investment for them. Imagine how it is for Jason Light for the Glazers, oh, you know. Oh, absolutely. You, but you know, you know who the one person it's not a big investment to? It's Bruce Arians. Yeah. Bruce Arians came in here with James Winston already in place. Not much he could do, right? And he's made it clear that he's not scared to move on either. That's exactly. the big, big like, factor as well. Like, I'm sorry, but he has no ties to James Winston. Like, he, he really, he really doesn't, like... I understand that a lot of people said like he came back to coach visit James Winston. Sure, like he he likes James Winston, but he's not like his job. Like Jason Light, Jason Light drafted James Winston number one overall. The Glazers, the Glazers okayed Jason Light drafting James Winston number one overall. Those three, those three people, but the Glazers and Jason Light are tied to James Winston. Bruce Arians is not really because he just came in and Jameis Winston was here. Who knew who, you know, if it was a different situation, who knows what Arians would do, right? Like if Arians came in this off season, instead of last off season, I don't know if Jameis Winston's back, you know? No. So, I, you, I mean, he just, he has no ties to him. So it makes it pretty difficult. Yeah, definitely an interesting situation. Again, we all have to see how this plays out once free agency rolls around. Let's get into our third voicemail. This comes from our guy Chris out of Tampa. Chris, what do you got? What's up, Cannon Fire Podcast? This is Chris at TV underscore bucks underscore for life. That's right. It's me. Yeah, man, I'm not really buying... Teddy Bridgewater to Tampa. Uh, I think once again, you know, it's the Bucks putting something out to try and lower Winston's uh, value, lower his his contract offer. But you know, they did it with Philip Rivers once. 
They did it with Tom Brady, and now they're doing it with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I, I just don't see them getting Teddy Bridgewater to run Bruce Arians' offense. People can talk, well, you know, two-time coach of the year will adjust his offense. Well, if that's the case, he would have adjusted his offense when Winston was thrown with a broken thumb and a uh, torn meniscus, and then when both Godwin and Evans were out. And he didn't adjust. He went as, you know, his offense is his offense, and that's the way he wants to run it. He even said it, you know, talking to Dan Lucas of News Channel 8 at the Combine. He said, we're looking for someone smart, tough, and who has an arm to run our offense. So it doesn't tell me, you know, uh, if Brady, which I doubt he even wants to even see what Tampa has to offer. Um, he might pick up the phone for formal reasons and then respectfully decline. But I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, you can sell Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to Tom Brady, but you also have to sell the rest of the team. <laughs> When people, you know, players outside of Tampa, they look at Tampa, I mean, gosh, what you've seen the last few years is historically bad defenses, which I know the Bucks are slowly fixing. And then you never know. Going for it on fourth down versus. And Chris got cut off there. He sent me a message on Twitter. He said, yeah, I went a little over two minutes, so he ended up getting cut off there. But. I understand the gist of what he said. He really went through and broke down point for point every rumor that's been floated out there. He started off with the Teddy Bridgewater talk, and uh, I kind of have to agree with him here. I don't know if I fully believe the Teddy Bridgewater speculation. First off, I don't really believe Peter King. I floated it out there. This is a guy who almost resigned a few years ago because he put out an inaccurate report regarding the Deflate Gate situation. I mean... I'm not saying he's notorious for being wrong, but he's also notorious for just kind of floating out a lot of speculation this time of year that never really gets anywhere. I think the whole Teddy Bridgewater thing is just, going back to what you said earlier in the show, Evan, is really just one side or another trying to drive Winston's price up or down to make him look less appealing to maybe other teams in the league. Um, he also brought up the Tom Brady thing, and, you know, I almost... I don't want to say I agree with him because there is the chance that Tom Brady could look at Tampa as a great place to play and potentially retire, but you have to sell him the team. I think there's a lot of weapons here he would like, but there's also a very small piece of me that feels like he wouldn't even really give us the time of day, um, unless the Buccaneers can really outbid absolutely everyone. But I, I don't know. There's a whole lot going on. Chris threw a lot of it out there. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, so with the Teddy Bridgewater thing, Something that <clears throat> I don't know how many fans are gonna like, but uh, just because like the it would just be like the perception of the Bucks. This also could be Bridgewater's camp trying to drive up his price. Yeah. Um. If you say you know the Bucks, man, they're 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 in they're in on me, right? Like they want they want me. Um. Yeah. They're they're offering me twenty four. You better offer me twenty six. You know. Um. Yeah, he goes goes to the whoever goes to the Chargers. Man, yeah, the Bucks are, man, they're really interested in me. You know, they see that and they go, okay, we'll we'll up our offer a little bit. That's could be what this is, and I know that Tampa, in, especially in recent years, has been used as sort of a um a, a chess piece in 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 the free agency game. Um, oh yeah, and just you know to drive up prices. 
one of the most notorious ones was a few years ago, I believe in 2015, Derek Morgan, defensive lineman from the Titans, visited the Buccaneers. And he visited, like, two other teams. And it was just to get the Titans to go to, like, a pretty high price. They ended up getting about $9 million a year or so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this happens a lot. And it happens with a ton of teams around the league. It's just this seems to be, you know, from the Bucks' standpoint, maybe they wanted that to come out to sort of lower Winston's price. Um, say, like, oh, they're interested in another quarterback, you know, I should, if I really want to be back. You know, and it could also be from Bridgewater's camp, meaning, you know, hey, the Bucks need a quarterback. They're in on me. Right. Pay me more, you know. Um, but as for the Tom Brady thing, I, I do think there's still a chance. Like I said, I think the Buccaneers are still in the running for Tom Brady. I've, I've been led to believe that they are. Um, and we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I, I do think that he would give him the time of the day just because I think he respects Jason Light and Bruce Arians that much um, that, that he would at least, you know, he'd talk to him about it. I, I just, yeah, it's the, the selling point would have to be he would have to look at this defense and believe that it is truly up and coming, and you would have to sell him on the weapons, and you'd have to tell him what your plan is to improve the run game. That That's the only chance he got. Yeah, is it likely? Probably not, but we'll, anything can happen, right? Anything can happen. So we'll we'll see. Well, we're gonna find out in what, probably less than two weeks. So yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I see a lot of people that are saying, "Oh, the the Brady to Tampa people should just give it a rest. It's never ever gonna happen." And and like I just said. There's a small part of me that believes that, but there's also just as small a part of me that believes it is possible, and I know there's a lot of people out there who feel the same way. I think there yeah. is a real chance. It's one of those things where if if the stars align, the pieces fall into place, you can almost bet your ass that the Bucks are going to pull the trigger. Well, listen, yo, if Tom Brady says, uh, I'm like I'm in, the Bucks are in. <laughs> yeah, that's no doubt. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be talking about it. I don't. I don't like to, to say. Well, what if the Bucks got this guy? What if the Bucks got this guy? I don't like to do that. If I didn't know stuff or or you know see, read stuff or anything like that, that would imply that Tom Brady to the Buccaneers is a possibility. I wouldn't be talking about it. I, I would not mention it because I don't like doing that. Okay, so I'm not saying that I'm like the end all be all like, oh, listen to me. But I'm just saying the stuff I read and stuff from the people I trust, uh, you know, like there's a chance. Like I'm not I'm not saying it's likely, but there is a, a real chance. And I think there's more of a chance that the Bucks end up with him than some other teams that the media is talking about. So yeah. we'll see what happens. No, I get you, man. It's all an interesting situation. Like you said, we'll have to see how it plays out once free agency rolls around. But that's the big objective of what we try and do here on the show. We never try to lead you guys astray with untrusted sources, and we always try to keep it as upfront and as realistic as possible for you. Because um, yeah, at the um, end of the day, we are fans just giving you information that we know, but we don't ever want to float out any information that you don't feel 100% confident in. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that the Buccaneers are – you know, gonna get Aaron Rodgers. Like no, I'm also, I'm not. also not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and you know imagine. Well, if they got Aaron Rodgers, he could throw man Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. No, because that's not possible. Okay, and it's not likely at all. Tom Brady, there's a chance. You can imagine. You can start to think in your head, man. If Tom Brady did come to Tampa three months ago, if you would ask me, I would have said no. He's not. 
now there's much more of a chance, man. Much more of a chance because the Buccaneers are still in this thing. It is like I said, is it likely? No, but they're to say they're they're like it's never going to happen is just dumb. Hey, at the end of the day, it is smokescreen season, people. Just stay frosty and make sure you try your best to stay informed. We'll keep trying to do that for you here on the show. We've got one more voicemail before we get into Evan's mock off-season moves for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this one comes from someone you are all very familiar with, our buddy James Hill, Mr. Bucks Nation out of St. Petersburg. What do you got for us, James? Hey, guys. Rhett, Evan, what's going on? James here, Mr. Bucks Nation. Hope you guys are doing good. Really happy that you opened up this phone line here to uh, get some questions. Now, I have a very, very interesting question for you guys. So in the scenario of if Jameis Winston leaves the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have two questions. One, if he leaves, do you think that Jameis Winston could go to the playoffs without the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And then two, do you think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could go to the playoffs without Jameis Winston? And then finally, guys, which one do you think is more likely? Let me know what you guys think. I'd be very, very excited to hear your guys' answers. I can't wait to listen to the podcast. All right, James. Nice and hard question for the last voicemail of the night. He posed two questions. Do you think that Jameis Winston, if he hypothetically leaves the Bucks this offseason, if he goes to another team, will he get to the playoffs? And in the same breath, if he leaves the Bucks, can the Bucks, without Jameis Winston, make it to the playoffs? And what do you think happens first? What do you think is more likely at the end of the day? Evan, I'll toss this one to you, man. So this is a really good question by James. So th- this one is tough to answer because there's a lot of what-ifs in there. Um, you know, it all depends where James Winston goes. If James, if Tom Brady leaves, if they do a QB swap and Tom Brady leaves the Patriots, goes to the Bucks, and James Winston goes to the Patriots, it's tough to say. You know, like you don't know, right? If James Winston goes to the Patriots, his in, in, his chances of going to the playoffs increase a lot, rather than if he goes to the Chargers or something like that. Same thing like with the Bucks. Like if they end up moving on from James Winston, but end up with Andy Dalton, you know, their chances for the playoffs decrease. But they end up with Tom Brady, their chances for the playoffs increase. So he asked, what do you think is, is more likely to happen first? Oh, man, I'm probably probably the Bucks making the playoffs because, because they're going to want a veteran quarterback. And if they get rid of Jameis Winston, that means that either like Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, Derek Carr, like one of those guys is going to be with the Bucks. And I think Jameis Winston won't actually go to the Patriots. I think it'll be more like uh, like the Chargers or something like that, or maybe he takes a smaller deal and goes like the Bears. So uh, I'm going to say the Bucks probably. Um, but that is that's a pretty tough question because there's just so many variables that you just don't know, right? Like it really all depends on where James Winston would go and who the Bucks would bring in. But still, pretty good question. Yeah, really good question by James. I'll follow it up. I do agree with you, Evan, in the sense that I think the Bucks would make it to the playoffs first because I'll put it like this: 
for the Bucks this upcoming season, it is playoffs or bust, it seems. If you don't make the playoffs next year, something just kind of went off the rails that you really didn't expect because this team looks as ready as ever to take that next step. So I don't want to go in overly confident and say that the Bucks are definitely going to be making the playoffs, but I've got a pretty good feeling that if they move on from Jameis Winston and they get any veteran quarterback, I'll say it this way, damn it, even if they get Phillip Rivers back there, I might feel confident so, enough that they can still make the playoffs. So any veteran quarterback, so if they end up trading for Andy Dalton? Like, Big question mark. Big there, question there, mark because I there, feel like he's the type know, of guy. I feel like he's the type of guy that would just fold in the playoffs. Sure, yeah, I mean, but he could get you there. I think so. I, I truly think so. I think any of the quarterbacks at the Bucks' disposal, as long as they don't F things up, let's keep that in mind. I think any of the Bucks quarterbacks that they have at their disposal could potentially lead us to the playoffs. I, I just I think this team is ready enough. I think the pieces are there. I think the core is ready. And if this defense gets better, then we've said it before. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback as long as your defense is top tier. And they could be a step away from that. Who knows? So I'll go with the Bucks making the playoffs first. Jameis. It's just too much of a variable, as you said. You don't know where he's going to go, what kind of situation he's going to have, how many weapons. Uh, just I mean, he could be a guys. starter or he could be a backup. Like you don't know. And right. and if he and if he, if he's a backup on like the Saints and they make the playoffs, that doesn't count. Like come right. on, yeah. Like if if he's not playing and they and they make the playoffs, that shouldn't count. Hey, but if he comes in like a Teddy Bridgewater role and goes in while Drew Brees is hurt and goes five and zero, oh, that might count. Uh, not, I mean. But that's not in the playoffs. But that's an important five-game stretch. But <sighs> can you trust your backup quarterback to go five and zero? I know I can't trust Ryan Griffin to come in and lead us to five and zero. You can't trust most backup quarterbacks to go five and zero. But you can trust Teddy. Why can't you trust Teddy? Janice? You can't. <laughs> Why can't you trust Davis Wilson to win you five straight games? <laughs> <laughs> he won us four in a row with a broken thumb and a torn meniscus. Why not five with a fully healthy backup? Okay. Uh, Definitely a good question, James, and that'll wrap up our voicemails for this week. As I floated it out there earlier, the phone number to call, 813-433-0323. We are having a ton of fun with this new phone call system when we're really looking forward to entwining it with the show. We had our live call-in show. We'll be doing a few of those this upcoming offseason, and then, of course, throughout the regular season after the games. And then you guys can always leave us a voicemail, 813-433-0323. So now that we got the rumor talk out of the way, let's get into more hypothetical because we know that that is what you guys love this time of year. Evan, I know you've been cooking something up for your off-season battle plan, essentially, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it starts with the number one question on everybody's mind right now. That's the quarterback situation. What have you got cooking up in the lab over there, Mr. Wanish? Yeah, so... Uh... Obviously, just like you said, that's the number one thing, right? If any mock offseason that you're going to find, what do they do at quarterback? And as you guys know on the show, I'm I'm not a really a James Winston hater, but I'm also not going to sit here and praise him to the end, right? Like, I try to keep it as straightforward as possible. And I looked at a bunch of the options that the Buccaneers had this offseason, and I looked at James Winston. And I've come to the conclusion that the Buccaneers quarterback, if I'm running the team, the Buccaneers quarterback in 2020 should be Jameis Winston. Uh, I guessed correctly before the show. <laughs> By the way, just throwing that out there, he asks me right before we go live. 
he says, hey, he's like, what do you think I'm going to end up with? And I go, eh, most likely Jameis Winston. And he goes, oh, we'll see. Hey, I had to keep the suspense up a little bit, right? Um, so I just think, so here's, here's the reason. So, yeah, he threw 30 interceptions. Yes, that's awful. I'm going to bet that he won't throw 30 interceptions again. I understand that a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, second year in Arian system, guys, you know, interceptions numbers go down. Just look at Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer in his second season with Bruce Arians has played six games. So, you know, whatever. Like, of course, his interceptions went down. Let me check this thing here. Let me check my sheet, I should say. Oh. Uh, uh-oh. Did you like that? Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Had to throw that one in there. Uh, so Carson Palmer threw 11 touchdowns and three interceptions in six games um, in 2014, which is his second season with the Cardinals. And a lot of people are like, just look at Palmer. Those, those stats are skewed, right? So he threw 22, I believe, the year before, and he threw in three in six games. So Still on pace I, to throw less than 10 for the season, though. I mean, it doesn't matter because, like you said, it is only a six-game stretch. But if we're talking about on pace for, I think he still would have thrown maybe less than 10. I don't know. Well, whatever. Like, it, it doesn't matter, right? But that's done, right? Now, the thing is that there's some other cases that, you know, haven't really worked out in the second year. Um, you know, like Peyton Manning's interception numbers, I believe, are still up pretty high. Um, so, I mean, it's it's an interesting case. And I believe it's it's person. It's quarterback by quarterback, right? Jameis Winston ain't gonna stop throwing interceptions. We we all know that, but I'm willing to bet that he is not going to throw 30 interceptions again. Okay, I think that is highly unlikely that he's going to throw 30, maybe 20. Sure, I still think that's on the higher side, but 30, man, that's 60 interceptions in two seasons. That's that tough, is man. a lot. That that's hard to do. And in a second, you know, in like I said, in a system that has been told is complicated and stuff, in the second year, it's only supposed to get better. I'm not saying he's going to throw ten interceptions because he's not. I think he'll he'll be in the the sixteen to eighteen, nineteen, twenty range, one of those. Um, but I do believe that you know the turnovers will go down. Now with those turnovers going down, the yards and and touchdowns will probably go down. But I think Bruce Arians would take that if those turnovers would you know go down by nearly half, right? So that'd be a big key. The other thing is I looked at the options. Tom Brady, unlikely. Phillip Rivers, is he really an upgrade now, right? Derek Carr, I think Derek Carr's pretty good, but like that depends on Tom Brady actually going to the Raiders. Don't know I, if that's likely. I'll go out and say this. I think Derek Carr would be a better fit for the offense than maybe someone like Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, he definitely would. Um, but that's also my other thing. I like Teddy Bridgewater, right? It just the fit isn't great. Right. A lot of people are like, "Oh, you don't like Teddy?" I do. I like Teddy Bridgewater a bunch, but the fit oh, is yeah, horrible. You've been saying you said actually at the beginning of the season, before the season even started, we threw it out there. Let's say Jameis Winston can't get the job done, and the Bucks are moving on. You threw the name Teddy Bridgewater out there. I remember yeah. you doing it. That's that's before I saw exactly what this system was. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, 
so yeah, Teddy Bridgewater just wouldn't work. And then um, Matt Stafford, you know, I think Matt Stafford is a really good quarterback when healthy, but when healthy is the key, and you're going to have to trade at least a first-round pick for him, so that's not going to happen. Uh, and then, you know, other than that, like I don't think the trade for Andy Dalton. So I combined, you know, Winston, I think he can rebound in year two, and I don't see another option that's better, that's actually realistic. So I'm going to stick with James Winston for the 2020 season so there you go now Rhett knows i do these mock off seasons i'm going to run through this a little bit quicker because i could go on for probably an hour just explaining each and every move and i'm not going to <laughs> um so Rhett knows that i do these mock off seasons these are not what i think per se will happen but sort of what i what i would do personally so like all these these moves in here are not what I think will happen. This is okay? just it, Evan's it's, battle plan. This is this is me. This is if I'm Jason Light. This is how I'm running the team or close to it. Obviously, I know there's a lot more in it than you know. He's actually negotiating with guys. I'm writing it down in a note sheet on my phone. It's a little who's bit different. To, who's to say Jason Light isn't doing the same thing, writing down <laughs> on the note sheet on his phone, just making sure he remembers? Like I know hey, that when I boss, have a to-do list. What I do is I'll write it down on the note sheet, I'll take a screenshot, and I'll set it as my wallpaper. That way, every time I open up my phone, my to-do list is right there. Who's to say Jason Light's not doing that? Somebody, next time they see Jason Light, maybe if you see him walking around at the draft, take a quick snapshot of his phone wallpaper. Chances are, not saying that it is, but maybe there's like a 50% chance that it says, bullet point number one, sign Jameis Winston to a two-year deal. Who knows? Buddy, if they if they don't have James Winston signed to a two year deal by the draft. Hey, I didn't go to journalism <laughs> school for nothing, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So let's do this. So to start off, I use Spot Tracks numbers. Um, so they projected the Buccaneers will have eighty five million dollars available in cap space. I also restructure guard Ali Marpet, which will save me seven and a half million dollars. That would basically guarantee Mar Marpet's spot this year and next year's because I'm moving the money over to save some more cap this year. I am all about going for it this year. Okay. And which is explained sort of another move, which is purely almost like a salary dump. I'm trading Cameron Bray to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a 2021 fourth round draft pick. I saved $6 million by getting rid of Bray's contract. So right there I save about what, what is that? 13 and a half? I think. Yeah. 13 and a half million dollars. Now I am left with ninety-eight left ninety-eight and a half million dollars. So after that, I re-signed Jameis Winston. Uh, I did years and numbers. I did it relative to Spottrack's market value, and this even for the free agents. So if you're gonna yell at me and say, "Oh, that's not what this guy will get," look, it's pretty close to the market value for him when it's available for a player. I like to use it. Jameis Winston, I re-signed four years, twenty-three million dollars per season. I believe the market value was around 26 or so. So, pretty close. Uh, Shaq Barrett, I'm franchise tagging, $16 million. Like to see him do it again. You know, maybe not 19 and a half, but if we can get, you know, 14, 15, 16 sacks. Um, then Jason Pierre Paul, two years, $9.5 million per year. Uh, Nakeem Nunez Roches, or also known as Nacho, re signing him, one year, $3 million. It's a little bit hefty, but I think he's a pretty good rotational player. What did he make last year? Uh, I think it was, uh, was it maybe a three? million. Maybe, yeah, it was under three. Okay. Uh, maybe like a million, maybe a little bit under. So I give him a pretty good raise. But okay. that, that that could be 
put down the two or something like the, the minor moves. Right. Uh, Earl Watford, I bring back as well on a one-year, $1.5 million deal. And Gerald Hawkins, who was the tackle that they brought in last year during training camp from the Steelers, I signed him one-year, $1 million. He made like 900 k last year, so it's a little bit of a bump. Now, in free agency, I went for a lot of depth. So notice the guys I didn't resign. I didn't resign Dominican Sue. Right. I didn't resign Carl Nassib. Carl Nassib, Rashad Perryman. Those are the three main ones, right? Like, if you look at the list, those are the three ones that you're like, okay, like, they're gone. No Kevin Minter either. No Kevin Minter. No, no mm-hmm. Kevin Minter. Um, and also no DeMar Dotson. DeMar Dotson is, is done. So, with this, I was able to... Now, I figured out, I believe I had $44.5 and million to spend in free agency. However, I was setting aside about 10 or so just like for like the draft class and injuries and stuff like that. Um, so injury money draft class will probably cost around maybe $8 million or so to sign all the draft class. And then injury money, you like to have a little bit of injury money there in case somebody goes down. So the first free agent signing is a sort of a significant one. Uh, Tony Jefferson, three years, $7 million per year. Oh, wow. Um, there's there, there's a you know there's a little bit of a risk because he had a pretty significant injury this past season, missed a bunch of time, but I'm willing to take the risk. Hopefully he rebounds. Uh, and then we're also looking at some depth, uh, depth along the offensive line. It was a problem last year, right? B.J. Finney from the Pittsburgh Steelers, two years, $3.5 million per year. Uh, it's an expensive depth piece, but it's a depth piece I feel like they need to really upgrade. Now, is Finney a guy that, let's just say, whatever position you plug him in, if that starter goes down, can you trust him enough more than, let's say, a Gerald Hawkins or some of the other backup guys that they had last year? I would think so. Um, he's yeah, Finney's mostly a guard, um, so Hawkins is more of like a tackle, but Finney's a guard. I think, obviously, if Ali Marpet goes down week one and he's out for the season, B.J. Finney's going to be a downgrade. But He's going to have to do at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think he's more than serviceable. So I didn't re-sign Adamican Sue. So instead of going out and getting a big piece like Leonard Williams or a Michael Brockers or something like that, I decided to go the depth route, making two signings, two guys that I really like, two young guys. Jordan Phillips from the Buffalo Bills, three years, $5.5 million per year. I think that's a great value. I believe he's 25 or 26 years old. Uh, I should have actually checked that. But, um, you know, he had a breakout year in Buffalo this year and it could cash in on a decent contract. I think that's fair. His market value was right around this point. So I, I think it's fair enough. Uh, another one I'm signing to a prove-it deal, basically. Michael Pierce from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he His market value was surprisingly a little bit lower than I thought. It was like 4.7. So I bumped him up to 5. So it's a one-year, $5 million deal. That's just for him you know, to prove himself, maybe get back on the open market. Now, the run game. Here's where I texted you last night. Yes. And you remember what I said? I do. What did I say? <laughs> I actually I actually lied. I don't remember exactly the okay. text that you well, sent. Whatever. We've, we've texted a lot the past two days. Forgive me here. Yeah, it's, it's all right. You're good. So, anyways, I was like, I just got done. My mock-off my mock off season. 
Bucks run game it should be like improved. Like it should be set. So here's the first move I make. I signed Chris Thompson, Washington running back, to a one-year, $3.5 million deal. It's just a you know, low risk. He has some injuries. He has a long injury history. you know. But when he's healthy, I think he's a solid back that can really come in and help. Um, I'm not done at the running back position, so keep an eye out. But uh, I put him at 3.5. He made four last year, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a bump down because of his injury. So that's why I put that there. Geronimo Allison. Wide receiver from the Green Bay Packers, two years, two point, uh, two point. I have a two point oh, so two million per year. Uh, I got to give credit to BucksNation.com for this one. They gave me the idea of adding Geronimo Allison to the team, and also gave the contract idea of the type he could uh, receive. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, pass rusher from the Kansas City Chiefs, a one-year, four million dollar deal, the exact same deal as Shaq Barrett. So I'm hoping that, you know, Agba can strike lightning in a bottle and uh, really hope to, you know, to reach his potential. I was a big fan of him pre-draft and 2016 draft. We'll see what happens. Dennis what about Kelly. those one-year, $4 million deals, huh? They were. They were. <laughs> fan. Uh, Dennis Kelly, one-year, two, $2 million per year. This one, I got to give credit to uh, Ren Dax from the Pewtercast. Uh, he came up with this, uh, looked at Dennis Kelly, he is a tackle from the Tennessee Titans. He can play left and right, but he can mostly play left, um, which, you know, they're going to need a backup left tackle. So I think, you know, like I said, I signed B.J. Finney and Dennis Kelly. Pretty good depth. Um, and also, I just noticed I made a mistake. I don't believe I re-signed Earl Watford. So just cross him off, sort of. Yeah, forget that. So. <laughs> Once free agency is done, now we come to the draft, and I use the Draft Network's mock draft machine to do this so i've been noticing there's some people getting some pretty crazy drafts yeah, on the track network machine dude when i was doing this like there was one like jeff okuda was available at 14 i was like i'm not picking him like <laughs> that's not realistic at all like um yeah jeff okuda was there there was one um i forget who else was there like tua was there one time yeah yeah. There, there was some, there were some weird ones. Yeah, that's the, you know, the, the algorithm that they use, you know, can be thrown off a little bit. Probably. I mean, they right really now, have so. to take into account anything and everything that could happen, especially with the TDN Premium, where they've got even more trades that are involved in the mock draft machine. It's a lot of fun if you guys haven't messed with it, but yeah, you can, you can get some crazy results. Yeah. So, anyways, look, I ran this mock draft thing. I picked the players that were available to me. Don't sit here and tell me, oh, this guy will never be there. This guy will never be there. Look, I try to make it real as realistic as possible. Okay, there were some instances where I was like, eh, that guy probably won't be there, so I didn't pick him. Okay, so round one, pick 14. I select Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle from Georgia. Plug and play starter, right tackle. Easy. Uh, so the offensive line is starting five is set. You got Andrew Thomas. Uh, Alex Kappa, Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and Donovan Smith, along with you know the depth that I added. I like I like it. I like that offensive line. Yeah, it sounds pretty solid, man. I really like Andrew Thomas. I like any of the offensive line prospects that you have potentially at fourteen. We kind of talked on the last episode about how some of those guys, maybe Tristan Wirfs in particular, Mekai um, Becton. Those guys, their stock just really, really going up after the combine. But uh, I like Thomas. He's another good piece as well. I think he could fit right in. Yep. So in round two, I actually went against what I've been saying. 
um, because of the other holes that I was able to fill in free agency and the rest of the draft. I was like, you know what? Let's have some fun. Let's really improve the Bucks run game. I signed Chris Thompson to a one-year contract, right? Still, I like Ronald Jones. You still don't know. Chris Thompson, injury prone, never know. I selected Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. Mm. Uh, love that guy. Like I said, I think I talked about it in the last episode. Love that guy. He is a fantastic running back, and he's going to be a serviceable back for years. Like him, him and Ronald Jones could potentially be the one-two punch like for the Bucks for a long time. Really like that. So in round three, I went back to more offensive line depth, just more. This no guy pass rushers play. in the first three rounds. Nope. Nope. Nice. So this guy, actually, there's not a single defensive lineman in my Ooh. entire draft. So how many rounds? Uh, how many rounds you mock up? Uh, well, I just, I just, yeah, yep. The Bucks have, they don't have a seventh. So the only thing I didn't do, I didn't do the comp pick because they don't have comp picks yet in the mock draft simulator. So right. did not do the comp pick. So they only have one fourth round pick, which they'll likely have two. So, um, so I selected a guy who could play both guard positions and center. It, that's extremely valuable. If you can play anywhere along the interior offensive line, you are extremely valuable. And he could potentially be the replacement for Ryan Jensen if Jensen's play goes down, or like I mean, I believe he's going to be twenty nine or so. Uh, you never know; his contract is not guaranteed next year, so never know. Uh, Nick Harris from Washington really like his game. The Bucks like him too. They met with him at the combine. Uh, like I said, he can play both guard positions, center. He's experienced at all of them. He, you know, he was able to to protect Jacob Eason back there when he was, you know, that's Jacob Eason. They throw the ball a lot, and they throw the ball downfield. So you got you know, the guy that guard guys for a long time. He has experience doing that. He fit pretty well in Bruce Arians' system. I draft him in the third round. Fourth round, we got to draft a familiar face. Michael Pittman Jr. I like wide, it. wide receiver from USC. Great size at six four. Uh, you know, unlike his dad, right? Like I believe he was asked, like, "Why are you a wide receiver?" And dad was a running back. He's like, "Well, my <laughs> dad was five ten. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm six four. Yeah, <laughs> that that's why. So, um, yeah, but this guy can move all around. He can play the slot. He can play outside. Uh, I think it's great value in the fourth round. Really shined at the combine. Just adding more receiver depth. That's mainly the reason I let Rashad Perryman go. The, the receiving depth in this draft is just too good to pass up. So do you think a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. could come in and replace Brashad Perryman day one, or is there somebody else already on the roster that you think is going to fill that hole? Well, I'm hoping you know the combination of Allison, Geronimo Allison, and Michael Pittman can, can also do that. I think both players can also play a little bit of special teams too, so they bring extra value to me. Nice, nice. So round five, I'm going with James Morgan, quarterback out of Florida International, I believe. So Played at the Shrine game. Actually had a one-on-one interview with him. I was uh, talking to him with James as well. He was a really nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like him. Uh, I believe the Bucks do as well. There's a report that, you know, after the combine that there was, you know, some talk that the Bucks were among the team showing the most interest in him. I think it's time to add a little bit of competition with Jameis Winston. I think a draft pick would do that. I don't think you need to go out and spend on a free agent or trade for a guy. I think, you know, this draft pick would be able to sit back and, compete and learn and stuff so i'd much rather have james morgan than blaine gabbert so in in round six i'm going to draft a guy that many fans probably listening to this podcast are familiar with 
Stanford Samuels the third from FSU. Got to get an FSU guy now, right, for all my Florida State fans. Ah, okay. Um, okay. Um, so he's a cornerback, and he, yes, he does like to play in zone a whole lot. Um, he, but he has great size. I think he's really what they're looking for in the size of a corner. He can also play special teams as a six-round pick. You're not expecting him to come in and play much. So I think he could really play on special teams and be a major contributor there. And potentially be one of those depth pieces you had kind of talked about. You're looking at areas where you already have a little bit of talent there, but you're looking for something developmental to fall back on. And I think maybe he could fall into that, right? Yep. So just to do a quick rundown, at quarterback, James Winston, James Morgan, Ryan Griffin. Running back, Ronald Jones, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Chris Thompson, Dari Ogunbowale. Wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Michael Pittman Jr., Geronimo Allison, Scotty Miller, Justin Watson. Tight ends, O.J. Howard, Anthony Alclair, Tanner Hudson, Jordan Leggett. Right tackle, I have Andrew Thomas. You're not likely to get a backup right tackle, really. So um, you're hoping that you know, if you can play left, you can probably play, play right. So both Gerald Hawkins and Dennis Kelly can po- probably switch over to right anyway. Uh, right guard, Alex Kappa, B.J. Finney, Mike Lickie. I bring back Lickie as well. Uh, center, Ryan Jensen. But like I said, Nick Harris can probably play center as well. Ali Marpet, I have him listed as left guard with Nick Harris behind him. Left tackle, Donovan Smith, Dennis Kelly, Gerald Hawkins. Defensive line, William Golston, Jordan Phillips, Michael Pierce, Nakeem Nunez-Roches. Nose tackle, Vita Vea. Outside linebackers, which is basically your pass rushers. Now, I know, noticed that you did say, you know, didn't draft pass rusher. So I have Shaq Barrett, Jason Beerpaw, Emmanuel Ogba, and Anthony Nelson. The Bucks are really high on Anthony Nelson, and I, I like Anthony Nelson. So I think that'll I, pay off. I think Anthony um, Nelson's the type of guy who could hit his stride next year. Yeah. You know, I like some of what he was bringing to the table. We obviously know he went down, missed the rest of the season the week of the Seattle game. But he was looking pretty promising, and you've brought it up before. He was a guy that was brought in to basically be a replacement for Carl Nassib. He's got the same lanky size, same similar build, uh, just a big guy, and I think he could hit his stride year two. I mean, he was drafted to replace Carl Nassib, basically. So yeah. now he can finally have a chance to do that. Uh, you know, looking back on it, probably could have added another outside linebacker, another pass rusher. Um, but just wasn't really comfortable with a lot of the money on the free agent market. And with the draft, with the limited picks, maybe if I had that fourth-round comp pick, that would go to a pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, middle linebacker, Levante David, Devin White, and Jack Sitchi. Cornerback. Now here's one. I was looking at adding a veteran, but I couldn't find a veteran that I was comfortable with at the price. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Mazzy Wilkins. Stanford Samuels the third. So I know the Bucks like Wilkins. I'm not sure. Like I know he got a little bit of playing time. Uh, I expect him to be back. Obviously, I'm not sure if he's the fourth corner, but um, we'll see what happens there. But it, it is a little bit thin. I wish you could improve the depth a little bit more there. You don't think Ryan Smith is back? Probably not. I, I he wants to he wants to get more a little bit more money because he feels like he can play a little bit more than just special teams. So, Fair. Um, and as a corner, we've all seen that he's not that great anyway. So, <laughs> um, finishing it up, free safety, 
Tony Jefferson, Justin Evans, who they had actually talked about a little bit, you know, is possibly coming back. Uh, Tony Jefferson, Justin Evans, and Dakota Dixon. Bruce Giants talked really high of Dakota Dixon and even said that, you know, if he was, if he was healthy, he probably would have played, like, this season. Um, so that means that they really like him, so they hang on to him. Strong safety, Jordan Whitehead, Mike Edwards, and MJ Stewart, with Matt Gay as the kicker, Bradley Pinion as the punter, and long snapper, Zach Triner. So... That is my mock off season. I uh, hope you guys were able to follow along. Uh, I didn't want to really go in depth, like really long with that. So uh, let me know what you guys think. Like I said, I try to make it as realistic as possible, but this is what I would do. This is not what I believe the Bucks will do. Okay. I try to create as much money as possible. So I have a little bit less money next year, but I have more money this year by restructuring Ali Marpet. I don't think the Bucks will actually do that, but that's what I did, okay? So let me know what you guys think. Rhett, what do you think, and what are your overall thoughts? I think you did a really good job with it, man. First and foremost, really good job. I think the effort you put into it of looking at, uh, you know, the stat track market prices of things going on, you took the most realistic options you could have. So I think you did a great job in that sense. Um, I, I think one of the big things that I won't disagree with you with, but – you know, I know you said this is what you would do, not what you think the Bucks would do. At the end of the day, I'll float it out there. I think the Bucks are going to keep Indomitasu some way, somehow. I think he's a piece of that plan they have on defense. But other than that, I really like the uh, I really like the picks he brought forth and the draft in particular for not giving us a pass rusher between the first and sixth rounds. Of course, aside from that fourth round compensatory pick. Um, I still think you brought a solid class to the table, and I like the guys that you would put together. I like the idea of depth at the offensive line position because we saw last year, while it was an overall improved line, they still had some things they needed to work on, but there was one point in the season where we had more than a few guys go down with injury, and we saw just how depleted they looked. So I like that you addressed that area as well. Overall, I really do like it. I think you did a good job on it, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And so here's a little story. I was basically basing the the market value. I was like, okay, I have a set number in my mind on what this guy could make. Yeah. I'm going to go check the market value and see what they think he can make. Instead of Emmanuel Agba, I originally had Vic Beasley, the exact same deal, one year, $4 million. I check Beasley's market value. Does he fetch a higher market than four? It's like seven point six. I believe it. I was, I, dude. Who's paying that guy seven million dollars? I don't know, but I truly believe uh, that Vic Beasley's a name that could get someone to pay more than what they should. Man, man, I'd rather pay Carl Nassib. I, I, I did consider bringing Carl Nassib back. Um, I realized that I had some money, but you know, I like Carl Nassib. I just don't think if they were going to get a add another pass rusher. I just think that they, there wouldn't be enough snaps to go around between Barrett, JBP, Anthony Nelson, Emmanuel Ogba, Carl Nassib. Like, if I wanted to add another, like, pass rusher, it would have been through the draft, and it would have been a fourth or fifth round pick. Right, and with that lineup you had just mentioned, you've got a majority of those guys who could be a three-down starter for another team. Carl Nassib in particular, he's a guy that I think could take his chances in free agency and get paid to be a starter for another team, I think, why hold him I back think he'll get he'll get around like nine million a year or so yeah. from somebody. I think so too. I think he's yeah. a top tier defensive end. I think we'll get pretty game. close to like an Adam Humphreys type contract. Like three years, twenty seven mil, something like that. Like I think that's what he could look look at. Yeah. Uh, 
we'll see what happens. The other thing is, like I said, I really wanted to add a veteran corner, but it just didn't fall that way. Um, I, I wasn't going to project a, a trade for a corner. Um, the only trade I obviously did do was Cameron Bray, but that was for a draft pick. So um, I wasn't going to project a trade. And none of the free agent names, I was looking at him, I was like, okay, but is he going to cost, is he really going to cost 4 to $5 million? Probably not. Like, all the guys I was looking at, I was like, man, this guy's probably going to be like seven, eight million dollars And I just couldn't. Like, they've talked so highly of the cornerbacks. I, I couldn't, like, I had to keep it somewhat realistic in my mind as well. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll see what happens. That could come up. Like, if this, if I, if this team was fielded in the, you know, in this season, I'd feel really good about it because, of course, I'm doing it. So, um, but my downfall could be, you know, maybe the lack of pass rush if, you know, GVP starting to slow down and Barrett can't replicate what he did last year and the lack of cornerback depth that yep. that could really hurt me so now i've got one more question for you about your offseason battle plan and it has to do with that running back room i had noticed that you kept dario gambuale in that group over peyton barber is mm-hmm. it solely because of the price point uh, a little bit also because uh just think that you know all the players i brought in are much better than peyton barber um I just don't know what Peyton Barber gives you. See, I'd the, pick the, Barber the thing, over Ogan Bawale for the but record. Barber, Barber can't play special teams. That's the difference. Okay? That's fair. So, I, like I said, you heard me there, right? I said that Justin Watson can play special teams. Michael Pittman can play special teams. You're losing a guy uh, like Ryan Smith who is really big on special yeah, teams. Exactly. Stanford Samuels can play special teams. Uh, a lot of those guys that you're going to need for special teams. And I, I think that's why I, I valued Dare over Peyton Barber. Also, Dare's making very little this year, and I think Barber's still going to be able to fetch $2 million, $3 million or so. Like, I'd rather give 3 and a half to Chris Thompson. And by, which, by the way, I think this team, if Jameis Winston can't succeed with this team, I don't know what team he's going to succeed with because offensively speaking, that's going to be the best run game that he's ever had. I think it's uh, the most prepped and ready a Bucks team has looked in a long time, and that's even without the pieces that you had added in your mock offseason. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you get Andrew Thomas, plug-and-play guy, right? Alex Kappa continues to develop. Brian Jensen's there. Ali Marpet's there. Donovan Smith's there. Donovan Smith, who was not as bad as people say last year. Um, and then you add depth. B.J. Finney, Nick Harris, Dennis Kelly. You add that depth. And then you add one of the best running backs in the NFL draft class, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, along with one of the best like receiving backs in the NFL, one of the most underrated guys, Chris Thompson, if they can stay healthy. Man, I think the sky's the limit for this run game and for this offense. I, I do believe that, you know, Geronimo Allison and Michael Pittman Jr. are both downgrades from Rashad Perryman. Pittman Jr. has obviously some potential, but like right like this, like in 2020, it would probably be a downgrade. But I'm just I, I, I feel comfortable enough with the run game that I'm willing to to overlook that a little bit. And even with the run game, you look at it bringing another dimension to getting involved in the pass game. You know, you want more guys back there who can run and catch passes out of the backfield. I think Ronald Jones could develop a little bit better at that. But Chris Thompson, you just brought up, he can be used in that manner as well. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you got you got. Ronald Jones with your your your, uh, your 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 lightning and Clyde Edwards Hilaire with your thunder, you know you you put Chris Thompson in and third down and you know go to work. So 
I think this team could could really really sort of new heights on offense, and you know it could really help out James Winston. It really could. And I think James Morgan is a guy that's like a project. Like James Winston has a solid year in year one, and then uh, year in year two, you can I think you can always go to him, and you know he'd be a guy that Bruce Arians would basically be developing. So um, it would be his his guy, and uh, we would have to see what happens, but. You, you can't fill every hole every off season, right? You, you just can't do it. You, you know, NFL GMs say that a lot, but it's true. Um, in an ideal world, you know, I would have got, you know, either re-signed Bashad Perryman or signed, you know, a guy like Randall Cobb or something to be the third wide receiver. But there's a salary cap, and like I said, I would have gotten a, a veteran corner or another pass rusher. That would have been a per- perfect world, sure. But you know, like I said, you, you can't fill all holes. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the 2020 CFP Evan Wanish offseason battle plan for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are just a few weeks away from free agency opening and seeing how a lot of these things, and especially the rumors talked about this week, come to fruition. Thank you so much to everyone who called into the show. Phone lines are always open. You can leave us a voicemail, 813-433-0323. Give us a call. Let us know what you think of Evan's battle plan, what he proposed, what do you agree with? What do you not? And what do you ultimately think is the best move for the Bucks heading forward as we approach free agency? Just a few weeks away, and then we can <laughs> stop talking Home about stretch. it. Home stretch. Home stretch. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and watching with video on YouTube.com. Thank you for the success on YouTube.com. By the way, we are over 750 subscribers. We are that much closer to 1,000, and that's going to be a huge milestone for us. So we're very, very excited about that and the great viewership that we have had on our video format. Let's keep it up, guys. Thank you so much for calling in. Remember, you can reach out to the show via phone call or email, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. And you can always connect with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. You can follow my co-host Evan Wanish on Instagram and Twitter. Find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Find him on Instagram at BucksWave, your number one source for all things Bucks on Instagram. Let me tell you about a little promotion that we are doing. There are stickers being left all over Tampa Bay. The Bay Area, St. Petersburg, some as far as Clearwater, Newport, Ritchie, and Pinellas Park. You can find them slowly but surely popping up in different places around the Bay Area. If you are out in public and you see a Cannon Fire podcast sticker, snap a picture of it, send it to myself, Evan, or any of the show's social media pages, and you will be rewarded with your very own grab bag of Cannon Fire podcast merch. Now, this contest is brought to you by our friends at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. They are solely responsible for all of the marketing that goes into the show. They have done awesome t-shirts for us. We've got those stickers that we're leaving around the Bay Area. They did some kick-ass business cards that you would have to see and get from me in person. But these guys have been hooking it up. And they've been doing a great job for the Tampa Bay business community since 2001. Almost 20 years now, they have been helping people take their images to the next level. If you have anything that you want your product to stand out with, they're going to make sure they take care of it. They've got apparel, as I just mentioned. You can do things a little bit smaller. They've got stickers, banners, different sets of wallpapers you can use. You can even bump it up to do a full-blown vehicle wrap. These guys are going to make sure they get it done and in the most professional way possible. 
Our friend RJ and his experienced staff are going to go above and beyond to help you bring your business's image to the next level. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out their website at pinecrestprinting.com. The rumor season is almost behind us. All we have to do at this point, folks, is just buckle up and hang on. I am Rhett Matthews signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish, and we will talk to you guys next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.